Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. In this episode, I'm speaking with Stan Parks of the 2414 Network. This is a collaborative network of many different organizations who are focused on releasing movements of disciples among the unreached. And Stan has a ton of great knowledge and experience to offer. He'll be talking about key shifts in our thinking that are necessary and in our operating way of behaving that are necessary if we want to start multiplying disciples in our area. And especially we're going to focus on the importance of obedience versus just knowing things that we need to actually start doing them like we see Jesus talk about in the Bible. So you're going to love this episode. Stay tuned and we'll be back in a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple-Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Stan, tell us who you are, whatever you want to share about yourself. And um, yeah, introduce yourself to us if you would. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be on the call with you. Um, I was born in Indonesia. My parents were uh, gospel workers there. And then my dad was at the IMB and actually helped put together the unit that included folks like Bill Smith and David Garrison and David Watson and uh, Curtis Sargent, a lot of those early pioneers in movements. So I was hearing about all the crazy stuff they were doing and my dad was working hard to keep them all from getting fired for doing crazy stuff. And so as I heard about movements, um, you know, I, I was actually here in some of the early days of that. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, my wife and I went to Indonesia in 1994 and uh, began working with unreached people there. I tell people I like to train so I can help people avoid making all the mistakes I made when I first started out. Um, had a lot of, you know, my, my uh, missiology was some strange mixture of uh, books I'd read and experiences I'd had and church denominational thinking and uh, every once in a while the Bible got thrown in there. So I, I actually just 
had to start over and let God kind of rebuild my view of disciples and disciple making and uh, the Great Commission. Right. So we've been we've been involved since then, and just I train and coach and work with a variety of people around the world. They're involved in movements. Um, part of the twenty four fourteen leadership team, which is focused on helping see movements start in every unreached people and place around the world. We're not an organization. We're very much a coalition of like-minded people saying, hey, if you're trying to reach the unreached people and you want to do it through movements and you're doing it with urgency, let's help each other do that. Yeah, I love that. So appreciate 2414 and um, YM Frontier Missions is a part of that. I participated in some of your meetings and uh, love the way that you guys pull people together in that network to learn from each other, which is so important. And um, you guys are not stingy. You give away what you know, give away what you have, and um, encourage those who are part of the network to do the same. And really appreciate your leadership there, uh, Stan. I also had to laugh, you know, when you said you train so people won't make the same mistakes you did. And I, um, I've often said that myself, you know, we made so many mistakes and in spite of us, God brought about a movement where we were working. It wasn't because we did everything right. Stan, well, we want to jump right into our topic and not waste too much more time. But yeah, tell us, what do you think are some of the most important shifts that need to take place in a leader's life um, as they are wanting to see disciples go from a handful of people they're discipling to see hundreds, if not thousands of disciples that are multiplying among their people group in their region. What are, what would you say are some of the key mindset shifts that need to take place? And, and feel free to talk about things that need to happen internally in us and things that maybe need to happen in what we do and how we do it as well. So yeah, the floor is yours, Dan. We're ready to learn. You know, there's some argument about is it the strategy and the approach that leads to movements or is it the person that leads to movements? Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of come back to it's both. Um, I know many, many very godly people who will tell you they've been using the wrong approach and it has not led to multiplication. I know many people who have all the right approach, but spiritually they're not really where God can use them. And so mm-hmm. I kind of come back with both. It's like a 50 plus year veteran field worker was talking with Steve Smith, uh, who uh, wrote Spirit Walk and uh, several other things, gone to be with the Lord a couple years ago. And this veteran said, you know, when we went out, we didn't know a lot of the things we needed to do. We were kind of bound by tradition and thought we were doing the right stuff. And he said, so we were methodological pygmies, but it was hard to get out there. It was hard to live in the countries we went to and, and people are very committed. And so we had many spiritual giants. Mm. He said, today I'm worried that, you know, we've learned a lot together and we've passed on what we've learned and we've kind of gone back to a 2000 year old approach that's brand new for today. And uh, he said, I'm worried that a lot of people have become methodological giants, but they're spiritual pygmies. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, some people, sometimes people are like, why does it take so long to see a movement get started? I think a lot of times it's because the, the 
leaders are not yet ready to handle what's going to have they're going to have to handle both spiritually and uh, emotionally and physically and persecution wise and god is preparing the leaders to be able to handle a large move of his spirit mm-hmm. um so i i think you know i've when i look at movement leaders they're people of prayer they they pray they mobilize prayer they absolutely believe god's the only one who can do this um they're they're people of sacrifice most of them have paid tremendous prices uh, to do what they're doing mm-hmm. um they're for the most part they're extremely humble and recognize this is not us this is god the real mm-hmm. heroes are the frontline people uh, we're not the heroes you know and the frontline people tell you, we're not the heroes, it's those guys are the heroes. So I think just that humility. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I think they have learned some things that are important. And they've learned to, in a sense, be deprogrammed from their human tradition, mm-hmm. from their Christian tradition. And they've Talk actually been really... A little bit more about that, if you would, Steve, just if I'm going to interrupt. Deprogrammed yeah. from their human tradition their Christian, maybe Christian traditions, how they've learned how to do church. Can you unpack that just a little bit more? Yeah, so I think um, rather than letting their view of church be formed by the Bible, by Acts 2, 36 through 47, by all the different uh, leadership patterns, um, they've the vast majority of us have grown up in a tradition where we just have these subconscious views. I was recently with a a movement family in India and they asked me to talk about ordination. I said, you can actually find ordination in the Old Testament. The priests were ordained to provide service to the people and be God's intermediaries. And the kings were ordained to lead the people. You can't find the word ordination in the Greek in the New Testament. And ordination comes from Latin for for order. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to be a really good Jewish leader, then great, you love ordination. Mm-hmm. If you believe First Peter that says we're all a royal priesthood, we're ordained both as priests and as kings, as royalty, then we're all ordained. And uh, they were there in a context where a lot of traditional Christians are saying, you can't baptize, only the ordained pastor can baptize. And, so it's things like that, letting go of our human tradition that, uh, you know, a brand new believer can't can't do anything. You've got to really disciple them thoroughly before you turn them loose, as opposed to, no, actually, you turn them loose immediately and you just help and coach them because they're far better connected to lost people than you are. Right. Um, you know, so just some of those mind mindset shifts that right. uh, education is is important as opposed to obedience. Mm-hmm. You look at our traditional Christian context, the more educated you are, the more qualified you are for leadership, as opposed to in movements, we see the more obedient you are, the more qualified you are for leadership. Mm. Um, I'm gonna pause leader- you there, if, if I sure. could stand just, sure. you know, that's so key. And I wanna make sure those who are listening really catch what you just said as a mindset shift that education is more important than obedience. 
So that's the the old mindset. That's the maybe traditional mindset. You think about it, the original sin of Adam and Eve was wanting to know the things God knows without obeying him. Hmm. And in Christian the Christian world, unfortunately, many times we want to know things about God or about his word without focusing on obedience. Yeah. And we're just repeating the original sin of, well, I like to know these things. I'll kind of pick and choose what I obey as opposed to, no, no. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Yeah. And if you, if you obey me, you'll remain in my love. Mm. Yeah. We sometimes say obedience is God's love language. Mm. And yet obedience is not necessarily in fashion, particularly in the West, but really all over the world. It's, it's being knowledgeable, being able to demonstrate your knowledge, being able to have your degrees, being reverend doctor so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, I don't even know, Stan, if you're a doctor or not, but um, I would guess you, you might be because you're a knowledgeable guy, but you don't talk about that because you value obedience even more than all those degrees and knowledge. And that's what you're seeing causes movements. And um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I went to seminary, I, I got a master's and a doctorate, and I had to come to the point of saying, you know what, I don't know anything. I actually am worse off than people who don't know anything, because I know a lot of the wrong stuff. Mm. And I had to say, with the help of, of many friends around the world, God helped me rebuild my understanding of scripture. And then things I had learned in seminary could come back into play but I just had them in the wrong place. I had them as the foundation as opposed to scripture as the foundation. And, or I had a mixture, I had some scripture and some tradition. And so I, I tell people new believers are actually far better off than most of us because they don't have to unlearn a bunch of stuff. Mm. Like this old lady in India, they asked her to speak in a leadership meeting at a movement and that she's a part of. She stood up, she said, I don't know why they've asked me to speak. She said, I've only been a follower of Jesus five years. I can't read. I can't write. My niece reads the scripture to us every morning, and then we just do our best to remember it and and apply it during the day. She said, you know, we go out and we tell them about Jesus, and we heal the sick, and we cast out demons, and we've only seen a couple of people brought back to life. I know some people have seen a lot more than that. And, you know, we, in five years, we've only planted 50 churches or so, and you know, a lot of people have done a lot more than that. and But to her, that was normal. Mm. And in movements, that is normal. They read the book of Acts and they, oh, okay, that's what we are. That's who we are. That's what we do. And they had the huge advantage of that is what they expect to do. And they expect God to do it. And he often does it. Whereas we've kind of bought into some sort of a strange non-book of Acts approach to things. Mm. Yeah, so good. And um, a, a challenge for all of us, you know, definitely a challenge for me you know, to keep walking in obedience. And the more we know, the more is expected of us by the Lord. And and yet that emphasis on obedience-based discipleship is, is just definitely not the paradigm or the way of thinking that many of us were raised in. And so a major shift to over teach less, but obey <laughs> and even keep teaching the same thing over and over until you start to see obedience. Well, John 6, Jesus says, only those the Father draws come, come to me. Those who listen and learn from the Father will, will come to me. 
Mm. Well, what is the difference between listening and learning? You know, we think they're the same thing, but I think it means you listen and learn means you actually start to live it out. You start to apply it. You start to, it starts to change the way you operate. You know, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go make disciples of all ethne, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. I'll sometimes get in churches, I'll ask people to quote the Great Commission, and, and a good number will say, and teach them all that I've commanded you. He said, teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And some people are like, oh, that's legalism. Well, Jesus said it, so I don't think it's legalism. And the difference is, are you obeying out of, I'm trying to earn God's favor, or I'm trying to fulfill religious obligations, or, you know, I don't do it perfectly, but I do a lot of things my wife wants me to do because I love her. I'm, I'm doing the thing, you know, I do a lot of things for God because I love him. I want to do it. It's mm. not I have, but I want to do it. And that's what Jesus said. I want you to love me, and out of a love, I want you to obey and do the things I've asked you to do. And your obedience shows your love for me. And your obedience keeps you firmly within that love relationship. Right. Yeah. So good. So you've you've talked quite a bit here just recently, you know, in the last few minutes about the shift from knowledge or education to obedience being what we value. And um, yeah, that is so important. You talked a little bit about the, the priesthood of all believers how every believer is involved. Um, any mindset shift on that that you want to kind of unpack a little more before we go on to others, which I'm sure you have to share with us? Yeah, I think this whole idea that <clears throat> the most churches have adopted a model that says one person is the leader, as opposed to leadership in the Bible, in the biblical church, New Testament church, is always plural. It's always multiple leaders. You know, I kind of have a theory about the church in Antioch. It names five leaders. I, I think, well, I wonder if those were the, the fivefold gifts, the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist. Mm -hmm. um, most of our churches have bought into a model that says the pastor and or the teacher and or someone who's a kind of a pastor teacher is the leader. But the pastor teacher role is focused internally where the apostle, prophet, evangelist is focused externally. For to have well-balanced churches, we should have leaders who, who are exhibiting or fulfilling all five of those roles to equip everyone to do the work, not to do the work, but to equip the rest of the body to do the work. And so I think the mindset, mindset shift away from a singular kind of CEO pastor, a pastor who's primarily focused on uh, either pastoring or shepherding or teaching and or both as opposed to multiple, you know, plural leaders, multiple leaders, uh, both internal and externally focused. Um, that's one of the big shifts that, that really needs to happen. And, you know, who is the church? Well, we're, our leadership is not biblical. So it's no wonder our churches aren't actually uh, healthy in a biblical sense. Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to move mountains, stirring our faith to believe for movements among the unreached, 
is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today. Wow, what a great episode. I hope you learned as much as I did. And here are some of my takeaways. One, methodological. (laughs) People are focused on methods or methodological giants are not what we need. We need people of character who are spiritual giants who also know biblical methods. And God is preparing leaders who are able to handle a large move of the spirit, but that takes some preparation and character. So sometimes that can delay movements. He talked about people of prayer, people of sacrifice, people who have paid tremendous prices to do what they are doing. These are the kind of people that God is building to release and catalyze movements around the world. He also said some important things about about obedience and how we need to be deprogrammed a bit in some of our human traditions, that education has become more important to us in many ways than obedience. And yet Jesus says that we should We should know him and learn of him. And learn means putting things into practice. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to have another one with Stan coming up. And I know you're going to continue to learn and look forward to that. I'm looking forward to it as well. Blessings. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember... God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.